Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. We believe that traveling freely is one of the greatest privileges in life. and we exist to empower and inspire everyone to travel the world in comfort and style. I think when you travel, you understand people's cultures, you eat their food, you speak their language. And I think it builds love and community in a way that not many other things can. And I think it literally makes the world a better place. is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody. It's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. My guest today is Kate Boyer. She is the co-founder and CEO of Anatomy a luxury women's clothing brand specifically designed to outfit the global traveler in the most comfortable and stylish performance apparel. Made from the finest European fabrics, Anatomy Apparel is also super lightweight, wrinkle-free, moisture-wicking, quick-drying, highly durable, and specifically designed with the versatility and flexibility to accommodate an active travel lifestyle. For years, Anatomy has partnered with major brands such as PGA, NetJets, and in 2019, Anatomy was named the official luxury travel clothing brand of Forbes Travel Guide. Born in Budapest, Kate got an MBA in international trade in France while working as a girls' gymnastics coach and dressing the team in outfits she designed herself. From there, as a self-taught designer, Kate developed private label connections for many exclusive resorts in St. Bart's. She later met her husband, Sean, in Miami, where he was designing customized clothing for hard-to-fit athletic men. The two joined forces to design sportswear for brands such as Elite Models, Cigarette Boats, and Lamborghini. With Kate as CEO and Sean as creative director, they launched Anatomy in 2006, a name that speaks to the impeccable fit and sleek tailoring of the brand's designs. Kate, Sean, and their five-year-old daughter, Charlie, maintain a base in Miami, Florida, but regularly travel the world together, with Kate having been to over 35 countries and Charlie having been to seven countries already by the age of five. Kate, welcome to the show. 
Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I can't believe that was my story you just described. <laughs> <laughs> I I am so excited to have you on the show. We should set the context in the background. You and I were actually introduced by my very good friend, Kurt Fetter. Uh, he actually introduced me to your husband, Sean, first. And Sean and I were communicating and all of that. And then you and I connected. So I am uh, super excited. And we're actually not in person today for this interview, though we are both in the United States. I am currently based in Asheville, North Carolina today doing this interview. And where are you? Well, at this moment in our home base in Miami, Florida at the headquarters close to the design district in our warehouse office behind the scenes in anatomy location. Awesome. Well, I want to start, Kate, just going all the way back and just kind of getting your background story a little bit. Can you talk about growing up in Budapest and just when you think back, you know, any kind of, you know, development of your interest in fashion or entrepreneurial tendencies? Was any of that sort of present back there in your upbringing? Nope. (laughs) It was exactly the opposite. And I think there's some kind of a childhood trauma, I think, in every entrepreneur's heart that gets you going. And in my example, it was hearing no a lot of times. So when you think about Eastern Europe back in the 80s, right, when I grew up, everybody was speaking Russian. It was kind of like a big gray world with no entrepreneurs. Nobody was allowed to do nothing, right? So I was actually one of the first students to read a book by being a CEO written by Jack Welch. And I had to get a dictionary to translate it and read it word by word because we didn't even have an English teacher back then. So that was kind of like my first big something like, oh, my God, I want to be a CEO. And I told my parents and my teachers and they were like, what? Where you get this idea from? I'm like, well, we need an English teacher because everybody should read this book. So we actually got an English teacher. I had everyone sign a petition (laughs) that was during the transitional years. You know, we are, I'm the generation that literally took down the Berlin Wall. We were all on a bus and, you know, going out, taking down the wall and bringing home pieces to our parents from it. So, you know, hearing no so many times, no, you can afford this, you cannot do that. You know, being a kind of a hard-headed Hungarian, you actually want to do those things. So we hitchhiked out of Hungary with a couple of friends when I was 18. And, you know, now having a daughter, I can't even imagine my daughter doing something crazy like that. But and how my dad felt <laughs> at the time, um, who was a chemist and my mom worked in logistics. So came from a very simple family. And that summer when we left, I, I didn't see them for four years after that. So I ended up in south of France and finished my studies and did my MBA. And uh, you mentioned a little bit my background. I was a gymnast in my country, but we all were right. We had no choice. <laughs> So I took the background and ended up coaching a younger team in France. And we were actually the national champions in France three years in a row. So when I made my first mark and people noticed the clothes and I noticed, you know, the sunshine and all these fancy ladies looking good, mom, daughter, grandma, I'm like, wow, this is an amazing customer base that can buy this line. So, you know, you, you mentioned designing by myself. It was more of a practical need for something light and packable and durable. And that's how we developed the clothing for the team. And that became the DNA of the brand even later in life with Sean. Wow. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how does that come about? How does the gymnastics coach decide to start designing the apparel? Can you talk a little bit about how that came about, how it happened, and then what the evolution of that was? Yeah, we we couldn't find anything to fit, basically. There was nothing nice. 
that would travel pack well that could last a couple of seasons because you know we could only afford one set <laughs> so we had to make our own basically we needed it and then i started selling clothes to pay for school got it got it okay you know, one box of clothes turned into two box of clothes. We got on TV and everyone in France was talking about this Eastern European little young coach that's training the girls. And I actually saw a TV program about Sam Bars. You, you just mentioned that about my past. And I got a one-way plane ticket and stayed on the island for about five years and lived in the Caribbean and just started doing business and growing a lot of, a lot of it by myself, a lot of it for the little team around me at the time. And that's where I actually met some American customers that were telling me like, oh my God, kid, this line is great. You got to bring it to America. I'm like, how? I don't even speak English. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> French was my second language after Hungarian, actually third with Russian, right? So yeah, I got connected to Sean in Miami, traveling to a, do a trade show, one of our first trade shows. And he was doing menswear and we combined forces, you know, he had a nice sensibility to fit. And I had a nice sensibility to the look and feel that this demanding female customer base needed. And it's kind of like a funny story, but I hired him to design for my company and paid him. And it took about a year before the business turned into monkey business. That's, a, <laughs> that's amazing. What an awesome story. Can you talk a little bit about now the founding of Anatomy and specifically you know, how you chose this particular niche. And maybe what we can do is we can just start with what the specific product offering and what the specific, you know, the unique selling proposition, the value proposition of anatomy is. And maybe we'll start by describing that and then talk about how you decided upon that particular niche and how you noticed the void in the marketplace. So I feel like the niche chose me. It's really interesting. We have always been a consumer-centric brand, and we have always worked with high-end French and Italian fabrics and the European manufacturing and tailoring, and it attracted this like-minded group of customers to it. So it was an evolution. We also listened and learned from our customers. So Anatomy was born, actually, um, the day I was doing a trade show in Paris while Sean was designing our new collections in Miami. And he called me and said, Kate, I'm, I'm changing our company name because back then it was called something else. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, he goes, we, we're just going to call it Anatomy. I'm like, what? Oh, my God, that's so bad. Why are you doing that? <laughs> and then he's like, well, you know, Leonardo da Vinci and the perfect analysis of a human body and its moving parts. And he's the great grandfather of symmetry and this is what we're about i'm like oh okay you're right you're right you know i have to say he's the dyslexic designer i'm more sales and operations and numbers so the square and the circle the logo that we use you can also look at it like art and science and that's who we are with sean the two of us so leonardo da vinci was our idol and pioneer you know in our um, the way we see the world <laughs> and clothes and I, my only contribution was to change the spelling to the sexy French way, with the IE instead of the Y. <laughs> so that's where we were born in 2006. And we registered the trademark and just kind of ran with it, you know, one market at a time. But it's very interesting. A lot of people don't know about us. And now you have me behind the scenes to share the story is the first six years, we did 400 events around the United States. So we basically looked up the 200 wealthiest zip codes. And looked for customers, whether they were in a Pilates studio, a golf shop, a specialty store, a resort, a spa, anywhere 
this like-minded customer was living, working, traveling. We wanted to be part of their journey. So before we even started selling to wholesale accounts, we were a direct selling company. So at some point, I was literally losing my mind, like pregnant on top of it. <laughs> I had 40 ladies around the country with inventory all over the place. So it was very challenging. But that's what made us so on point and so appropriate for a stylish, sophisticated customer base because these ladies are tough, man. They'll tell you, Kate, you want to be rich? You got to cover my elbow. I don't want my arms out. You need to make skinny pants. I need a lightweight jacket, you know, that doesn't look like a mesh jacket, but I want it tailored like that with inside pockets. So we just kept listening and learning and giving these ladies what they want. And we still do it today. And those people that bought 10 years ago in one of those trunk shows, they are still customers on our website today. So we have a very engaged, loyal following because we were so close to the end user for so long when we launched the brand. That's amazing. And so now, after 14 years of mm-hmm. producing clothing, taking customer feedback, refining your line and that kind of stuff, can you just sort of describe you know, the anatomy product today? What is the anatomy line like? We are a minimalist, modern, sophisticated collection that's based on travel essentials. So we have a capsule of pants that's designed by body type. It's very important. That speaks to the anatomy name. So every pair you see on our website fits different because it's made for different shapes. We're obsessed with fit. We have nine bodies of pants. We have three jackets and three tops that are in stock year-round. We only create them in black, navy, gray, khaki, and white. So these are like your survival pieces that you can mix and match, dress up and down, have six pieces in our one of our signature packing cubes that weigh less than three pounds that require no dry cleaning, no ironing. So whether you're on a cruise ship, on a golf trip, on an overnight flight to London to land straight into a board meeting, you can count on anatomy. And then we design spring, summer fashion and fall, winter fashion as well. But even those capsules are small little vignettes and collections. They are not as seasonal as they sound because we are designed to last and we're designed to live in a wardrobe for a long time. Kind of like, you know, we joke if Prada and Lululemon had a baby, that would be anatomy. That's who we are. That's amazing. And one of the things that you and I also have in common, Kate, is that we are both very passionate about minimalist packing. Less is more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maverick Show listeners know that I travel the world with carry-on luggage only, and I do workshops on it at conferences. And the kicker is how to travel the world with carry-on luggage without compromising fashion and style, right? How to actually do it and look stylish and, you know, all that at the same time. That's really the kicker. So, you know, I explained that, yeah, I travel with carry-on luggage only. I never check a bag, but my carry-on includes, you know, a Hugo Boss suit and Ferragamo shoes and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So I can roll that way in addition to, you know, going to the beach or going to the ski slope or whatever it may be. And I love that that is a priority for anatomy. In fact, it says on your website, it says, Travel more, pack less, never check a bag again. And I love, love, love that. And I'm wondering if you can give some specific sort of minimalist packing tips to women. And I think maybe you can just say how women travel the world and look good, you know, using anatomy. Like what would they pack in a carry-on? 
but then also any additional sort of tips or hacks for, you know, stylish women in terms of minimalist packing that you have, I would love to hear those. So neutral colors are easiest to mix and match for ladies. I think you need two pairs of pants, two or three tops, one jacket that's packed, and then one heavier piece that you're wearing. You know, we tend to get cold on the plane. So I always wear my heaviest socks, my heaviest shoes, and my heaviest jacket with me. (laughs) And I pack my lighter things into a little packing cubes. So our essential colors, black, navy, gray, khaki, and a little bit of white work nicely together. Yes, we encourage ladies to pack less because we definitely think less is more. And, you know, who wants to stand in line at the airport to check in a bag and then wait after you land to like, I don't know, I'm sure I'm not the only impatient alpha female in this planet, right? (laughs) That doesn't want to do that and we want to get going. So it helps you save time, money, stress when you kind of just stick to these rules. I tend to even stuff my uh, socks into my shoes to save space. We roll everything. So I actually sent you a video. Maybe you can share it with the viewers and listeners. Um, That takes about 10 seconds to roll up a seven-piece set that you can go for up to a week anywhere around the world. We do safari kits with our clothes. We do cruise uh, packages, active travel, business travel. So you just have to tailor your, you know, one or two fashion pieces to the specific market or whether you're going to like a quilted vest or a button man shirt. But you don't always need that. The foundation to me is two pants, two or three shirts and a jacket. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the other things that I've discovered over the years, Kate, this is what I tell people. If you're Packing less clothes, you can buy more expensive clothes because you have less of them and literally be within the same budget. So, you know, when I started studying travel conducive fabrics and that kind of stuff, and I, you know, I literally, I bought my first merino wool Mm t-shirt from Icebreaker and I was like, oh my gosh, it cost $70 for a t-shirt. That sounds crazy. It's worth every penny. Oh my gosh. I'm like, this is a steal. It's a steal. Yeah, let's have a look at our pants. You know, people are like, oh my God, 225 for a pair of pants. To your point, you know how we look at it, Matthew, is um, your cost per use. If you have it on every day for the next, you know, couple of years or a couple of times a week and you wash it and wear it and it doesn't break down, it's like a good car with a hundred thousand mile warranty. It's worth every penny. It's not going to fall apart and it's going to look good. And it goes with your designer belts and shoes and scarves. And that's what, you know, makes you look more put together. Like we know that uh, 90% of our database in anatomy are frequent flyers. We know 80% of our ladies board the plane in anatomy. So this frequent flyer behavior is a very like-minded group of people. It's an amazing community. And, you know, you sound like you know what you want. You're very specific with your needs. And so are our ladies. We want to look good. We want to feel put together. And actually, the number one reason people were recommending anatomy was because of the way it travels. So it just all has to make sense. It's money well spent. It's incredibly well spent. And you feel better when you're wearing nicer stuff that fits better and looks better. And you can spend more money on it if you're buying less things and stay within the same budget. Like that for me was the huge revelation. Like you can wear really nice stuff and feel really good and spend the extra money to do so on those particular items because your total clothing budget is not any greater than it was before. You're just buying less things that are more durable and more versatile. 
could even be less over time. I mean, it's math. You, you read a little bit. I'm a math major. I mean, one time $225 is less money than five times $50 for a cheaper pants, right? A hundred percent. So you're probably saving 20, 30% in your wardrobe when you pick the right pieces like that they are built to last. And can you go a little bit more into these travel conducive properties of the clothing and how the clothing travels? So both Sean and I, all we know is stretch fabrics. So that's number one. It has to have movement. Even when we do a leather jacket, we put stretch panels. When we do a fleece jacket or a quilted jacket, we add mesh stretch panels. When we line a jacket, we add stretch into it. So that's number one. Our fabrications have up to 14% lycra. So that's very important. That's number one. Number two, it has to feel good. So we look for soft, dry finishes. That's important. It has to fit good. So we look for a tailored, modern look, not something boxy or baggy or big, right? We like that flattering form, whether it's a man or a woman's body. And we look for easy trims so nothing can weigh the fabrics down because six pieces of your carry-on shouldn't weigh more than three pounds. And that's exactly what our fabrications do. So when I was joking around at a trunk show saying, oh, two pants weigh less than a banana, nobody believed me. But now we have a point of sale material that shows two pants that actually weigh less than a banana. I can send it to you. So do you want a banana in your purse or you want two amazing pair of pants that can take you anywhere around the world? So the weight is super important for us. We like ultra lightweight materials. It's good for two things, less weight for your carry-on, but also it dries quicker. So that's the next step in our minds. When you wash it by hand, you hang it up in the, you know, your hotel room, these fabrications don't take more than 20, 30 minutes to dry, right? If I'm in a rush, I can take a blow dryer and, and dry it with a hair dryer in like two minutes. So that's also very important. You cannot do that with jeans or with fabrications with a lot of cotton because the fabric is just not made for that. So I, I would say these are a checklist. It's weight, feel, fit, and the functionality on washing and drying I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I wanna offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Also, then they don't wrinkle, because that's another thing. Right, that's a super, super important feature as well, I think. Awesome. So, Kate, I want you to take us a little, little bit behind the scenes of Anatomy as the CEO and sort of, you know, how you have structured and built and scaled the company over time. And maybe, you know, just take us back to that initial sort of 
business partnership where you and Sean, you know, decided to come together as business partners and you took the CEO role, he took the creative director role. How did you sort of divide up those responsibilities initially at the founding stage of the company? And then subsequently, I would love for you to share, you know, how the company has scaled since then. So at the founding stages, it was very simple because Sean would design, I would go and sell it, <laughs> produce it. So it was that simple. He would make a line sheet, explain it to me. Sometimes we traveled together, sometimes separately to make the first samples. I would come back with it. He would approve, fit it, and I would go to market and sell it. So it was a kind of like a natural fashion marriage made in heaven kind of thing. We're very like-minded about the big picture, but we're total opposites when it comes to the details. <laughs> so we make a good team. But sometimes the meetings get loud, I would admit. <laughs> so as we scaled the company, we added employees, you know, trying to fill the gap between our strengths and weaknesses. So first we had a graphic artist and a shipping manager, then obviously an accountant, then more SaaS people. There was a challenge is one of our milestones is how did we duplicate, you know, Kate's talent in selling? We needed more of Kate's out there. So we found showrooms and SaaS reps that I could train and grow with and kind of let them run on their own and just be their mentor and like the head cheerleader, right? That was an important evolution for us. Also going from direct sales to wholesale channel to direct to consumer on, on our digital side was an important evolution. So as the design needs grew, Sean's team grew as well. So we added to his team in terms of pattern maker, sample maker, design assistant, production manager. And then little by little, we added to my team as well with more sales people, a CEO, finance people. And then even the warehouse um, is under one roof with us. So the shipping team is in-house as well. We have full control over what goes in and out every day of our warehouse. Uh, we're a team of about 20 right now in Miami, but we were you know, a team of two. <laughs> A decade ago. That's awesome. And can you talk a little bit about now? What are you finding is sort of the optimal balance for you guys in terms of wholesaling, you know, to different retail outlets versus the direct to consumer sales? So when we first raised money for the business, this actually came from our customers when we hit a wall and didn't have enough funding to simply finance new wholesale orders, because that was a new stage when you book orders for later deliveries, right? And you need money up front to fund that. So customers helped us through it. So we actually have over 40 shareholders from our customer base now with the board of directors. So when we established this board of directors, we presented them a three-year plan that showed wholesale and retail in a 50-50 split. But Already one year into the plan, we are a 65 digital and 35 wholesale model. The way the website's growing, which is today, year over year, we're up 280%, which is very exciting. We're going to be 80% digital and 20% wholesale than the next five-year plan. So we were nimble enough and I think smart enough to adapt to today's changes. And we were very focused on the consumer in respect of giving these ladies what they want and when they want it and how they want it. So as the market changed, we evolved with it and we've spent more money on digital marketing versus traditional point of sale material, for example, for stores, right? 
So that's how we see it down the road. We are what we call an omnichannel lifestyle brand. So we don't see wholesale going away, but we are keeping them as touch points. To me, being in Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton, Canyon Ranch, Montage Properties, are very important validations for the brands and touch points for the customer. We're also in Neiman Marcus, but everywhere you go, whether it's a Pebble Beach golf shop or you know a nice store, they don't have enough of the line for my ladies. So they buy a few things that fit and they come to our website to, to buy more. Yeah, I was going to ask, that was going to be my next question in terms of like your brand presence in some of these luxury retailers is just the presence of the brand alone for that association and validation is inherently important, not as much, you know, for the sales channel purpose, perhaps even as it is for the brand association and validation. Is that kind of the strategy? Well, we are proudly profitable in all channels. We never had a burn rate or anything like that. I also do make sure that all of those things are making money, <laughs> whether it's sold at wholesale or retail. But obviously, the brand equity value long term is, you exactly said, right, is the brand affiliation with all these luxury five-star brands and companies around the world. I always say that I, we want to be part of their world and part of their suitcase, wherever these ladies go. Right. But they're definitely touch points. It's kind of like a little carrot, you know. I'm staying at the Four Seasons. I just did a nice facial. I bought a nice jacket at the spa. Wow, this was awesome. I had it on, you know, every, every day since I bought it. Let me see what else this brand is doing. So that's kind of like how it happens. Right. And can you talk a little bit more about that now, both in terms of maybe uh, some examples of some places where anatomy clothes are carried? And then also, I would love for you to get into talking about your brand partnerships that you've established and how that has worked out. So actually, they go hand in hand. So I think the answer to both of your questions is the same. When we became the first and only opera brand ever recognized by the Forbes Travel Guide in 2019, we really recognized not only that it validated the brand, but it kind of the light bulb came up that this is our distribution channel. So we're currently hanging and working to improve and increase and grow our partnerships with Four Seasons, Ritz Carlton, Canyon Ranch properties, where we're usually in the spa boutique or the hotel boutique. We're also in golf shops that works with our PGA partnership. We are also one of the top performing brands of the Association of Golf Merchandisers. There we groups about 1,200 of the premier golf retail stores in the U.S. and Canada. So we're carried in there. And it's really interesting, Matt, because we're not a golf brand, right? They just wear the line because it moves and it's comfortable and it looks good. So those ladies that want to be comfortable and look good and move a lot, they're on the golf courses. <laughs> so it was kind of like a natural fit, even though it wasn't designed for that. Right. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, overall now as you're kind of shifting to this sort of, you mentioned the vision of sort of the 80-20 ratio in terms of direct to consumer online versus in-store. Can you talk about, you know, moving towards that vision? What types of marketing techniques are currently working the best for you? And are you sort of envisioning as part of this plan as you move in that direction to sort of scale up? We definitely have to do more of what we do because it's working. So what's working is communicating a crystal clear message 
to this affluent customer base. Uh, short videos have been amazing, 10, 20 second videos, like a quick packing, a quick grocery preview, a quick inspiration um, video of something more cinematographic even um, about an escape, a weekend escape. Things like that have been working really well. Our digital marketing on Google Ads and Facebook is working really well. We're starting to see an up to nine to 12 times return on investment. It took us a while to figure out what works, but now we know <laughs> the language we need to use and the visuals that stay relevant to the consumer. So we're not so much watching our competition, which I don't really see because I feel like anatomy is in the white space and we're becoming a top of the mind brand for luxury travelers. I'm watching more of the consumer behavior and where people are going and where they need a lightweight, stylish wardrobe. And that's what we put out there in our messages. And everything we do also, Matt, is more buy now, wear now. So we're not caught up in seasons and trends. We're caught up in a practical, solution-driven, smart way of providing clothing for now female, but soon also male travelers. I love that. I want to ask you also, Kate, just you know, as an entrepreneur CEO who also you know, has a lot of stuff going on in their life, like a family and all that kind of stuff. How do you optimize your work day to be as productive as you are? Do you have specific morning routines? You know, what does your day structure look like? How are you able to produce as much as you do in a work day? Hmm. So... Obviously, a former Eastern European gymnast, I'm very disciplined, right? Sometimes my husband even tells me, like, you're like a computer or a robot, <laughs> always on time, always early. So we wake up early. Obviously, we have a little girl, too, so um, she's still up early, but I, we like to be up before her. We take turns working out. I think staying fit is very important for your mind, your body as well. So I have a morning exercise routine, whether it's going out for a run when I'm on the road. I like to be outside. I'm not so much of a gym person. Or I do my little yoga kind of routine um, that looks more like a home bar class with hand weight. That's important. And I get my girl ready for school. I pack her food even. So I cook every day. Go to the office early. Sean and I both like to be here before everyone arrives. Uh, when we're in the Miami office, um, we work from about eight to, I'd say about six o'clock when we're in the office, because when I'm home, I like to spend quality time with my kid. I think it's important to bond and play and do homework together and things like that. Uh, when we're traveling, it's a different routine because a lot of the conference calls and meetings, you know, are scheduled kind of on the fly <laughs> in airport lounges and things like that. But um, I think that's how I stay efficient. I stick to the schedule and the calendar and I try to gather the team always around it as well. And what would you say, Kate, what, in your opinion, makes a great CEO? What are the, you know, the characteristics, the qualities, you know, the attributes, the behavior, the, you know, conduct, you know, business acumen, however you want to describe the features of a great CEO what are the most important things to being an effective uh, and a good CEO? I'm honored you asked me this question 
because um, I'm grateful for some of our board and advisors and some of the successful entrepreneurs who have been CEOs themselves, who have mentored me throughout the years and made me a better person and better CEO. So my answer is some of it is personal and some of it is what I learned, if you allow me to share that as well, because I've been surrounded by some great people. Of course, please do. <laughs> I think you have to be fearless. You got to have kind of like the stomach and the balls at the same time <laughs> to make some tough <laughs> decisions. <laughs> I think that's important because a lot of people shy away from that. But in a role like this, you cannot. And sometimes it's better to make a decision, even if it's wrong, and then correct it quickly than not make a move. Because I think status quo is your worst enemy when you're a CEO. You have to keep evolving and pushing the boundaries of your business and your brand and your people. And some are comfortable with it and some are not. So you also have to be able to find the superstars on the team that can be pushed to the next level. And then unfortunately eliminate the ones that cannot or don't want to keep up because they'll hold you back. So those are tough decisions. I think you have to keep your sanity because a lot of people, you know, lose families and goes through, go through divorces and things like that. I don't want that to happen to us. So we take small breaks with the family. I take, you know, uh, Sean and Charlie to like the Caribbean or we do like weekend trips or just like a long, you know, day on the beach or a pedalboard right after school. So I like to steal time is what I call it, whether for the family or for myself. Right. If I work with the montage property and we have a very intense three day event with 40 meetings with spa directors, I make sure that before I leave, I get a facial in somehow. Even if it's a 30 minute foot rub on the street, you know, in New York City, <laughs> you have to be able to steal your time. Otherwise, you will sacrifice just too much. It's not worth it. So enjoying the ride, you know, is a challenge. But when you do it, you know, it just makes it more worthwhile. And I think as you become more successful, you also have to be able to help and make a difference in your community and in your family and kind of lift everybody up along the way. That's important to me. Even as a small company, I knew I wanted my employees to have stock options. And I'm excited last year we implemented that for everybody in the company. So I hope, you know, down the road, they will benefit from their hard work the same way we will by making a difference in this world. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about how you manage stress, how you mitigate stress and, you know, when you have those, you know, moments that all business owners and all CEOs can relate to when, you know, there's a big stress spikes, you know, tsunami of overwhelm or a big business setback or challenge or something like that. When you hit those moments of really high stress, what are your techniques for sort of managing and mitigating stress so that you can keep operating at your peak level? Well, that's been a learning process with me because it started with screaming and yelling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that, right? I'm famous for that in the office. Oh, my God, the ticket's losing it. The shipment's late. Everybody knows what's coming. But um, hmm, really good question, Matt. It's a tough one, too. It's, I think you just have to be ready for it. If you come to the office or the meeting or your trip with a clear mind and you have your vision about what you want to accomplish, then that's all that matters. Then you stay focused on that mission and you're like a heat-seeking missile until you get it. So nothing should get you upset 
along the way because you're prepared for it. Right. And I'm proudly saying I'm kind of getting to that point. I mean, sometimes I still lose it because <laughs> I have had beeps, you know, phone ringing too many times, shipments being too late, and not getting a straight answer why. Like, I have a long list. But um, <laughs> it's, it's a working process, let's put it that way. Right, right. Let me also ask you, I'm really, really interested about your reflections on doing business with your spouse, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody has the whole work-life balance, you know, sort of question, you know, in terms of that. But when you're actually a business partner with your spouse, I would love for you to share a little bit about that dynamic, how you've made that work and how you, you know, when you have the business partner hats on versus when you have the spouse and parent hats on and how you sort of balance all of that. So Sean and I are a unique case and many of our investors were also concerned about it, obviously, right? For good reasons and you can't blame them for that. So we are trying to stay as professional as we can in our work environment. We share our duties and responsibilities. So Sean runs design product development His office is kind of far from mine, too, in the warehouse. That's important to leave each other your space. And I run sales and operations, which is more number and data driven. So we're lucky that we have that yin and yang, you know, from art and science and numbers and pictures. So that's that's important, I think, to know your boundaries and, and respect each other that way. Also... Remember at the beginning of our story, we started by working together. So this is all we know. When we're on the beach, you know, playing with Charlie, digging in the sand, we'll still talk about snaps and zippers and things like that. And we love it because we live and breathe what we do. So for us, it's not really work. It's just our life. This is what we were born to do. And this is our time to make it big. And we know that we can't miss this opportunity because it doesn't come around very often. So we want to live up to the expectations, not only to the investors who believed in us and to the next ones who will believe again, but also for each other. That That's one thing about it, you know, that our relationship is so unique that way. We're able to argue without hating each other, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important because business partners you know, and co-founders need to be able to have real discussions. They're obviously going to be, you know, business, you know, either disagreements or or differences in sort of visions or decisions and stuff like that. And then how you, you know, are are able to do that effectively in the workspace and yet, you know, not let that in any way negatively impact, you know, the marriage and the family life and stuff. I mean, I think that's the quite, and I love, you know, any, any tips you have for people that are considering, you know, founding a business with their spouse? I think if you meet and you find the business together sooner, it's better than later because then you kind of develop a working relationship over time and you learn how to do it versus, I don't know how, let's say having married for 10 years and then all of a sudden you start a company together. I'm not sure how that works because then you've evolved in different ways in different industries. But We started off the ground, you know, day one, working and selling and designing and shipping and arguing and all that. So we learned how to work through it. We also learned how to keep our date nights going. 
you know, once a week, twice a month, we'll go on a date night with child. We'll get a nanny or somebody to help. Anybody who can take Charlie. If you have time, Matt, you can have her if I can go night <laughs> with my husband. I would love to. That would be amazing. <laughs> We're flexible, right? Just we like to travel together also. I think it's important to go on trips with your spouse because it gives you clarity. Somehow on the road, on the plane, we get so um, efficient. Our mind's clear. The phone's not ringing. The kid's not running around, you know, asking for a chocolate milk. You have like a focused couple hours together to just hold hands, make some plans. We like to review our um, big vision plans with Chan. So we make these really crazy goals. And sometimes a year later, I'm like, wow, look, we did all this. Let's come up with some new ones. So we keep doing that since we met. I think that's important too, to have a vision together. That's awesome. Let's use that to transition and talk a little bit about travel. And I want to start off with a macro level question. Kate, at this point in your life, I want to ask you why in general, why do you travel? What do you get out of it? At this point, what does travel mean to you in general? Keeps the dream alive because you see new places and new cultures and it makes you inspired. And um, I don't know if you have our mission statement with you, but Anatomy's mission statement is that we believe that traveling freely is one of the greatest privileges in life. And you heard my background, that makes sense, right? (laughs) I come from a very close world. And we exist to empower and inspire everyone to travel the world in comfort and style. I think when you travel, you understand people's cultures, you eat their food, you speak their language. And I think it builds love and community in a way that not many other things can. And I think it literally makes the world a better place. Are there any particular travel experiences you can share that you've had over the years that were particularly impactful for you? So Sean and I are scuba divers, and we had some amazing diving trips from going to 110 feet deep in the Cayman Islands in a coral reef tunnel that was scary as hell, but we were so excited when we came out of it. (laughs) That was an incredible experience to seeing some incredible landscapes in Asia when we were working on top of the world, the residences at sea where anatomy is being carried. It's really interesting now that you asked me that most of our amazing travel experiences are work-related and some of them are because of the people we met on the road and how they became part of our life and changed the way we do business and live with Chan and the company. Hmm. You heard my story coming from a very simple world and just kind of working your way up. I mean, I literally landed in this country with a suitcase, right? And I think this is the stuff America is made of. Um, For a couple of years, I I couldn't bring my parents over. But when we were able to afford their plane tickets from Hungary, I took them on a big trip. My dad's bucket list was he wanted to see Hawaii and a volcano. And we rented a big house. And I took my parents, Sean's mom, Charlie was, of course, with us. I think she was two or so at a time. And, you know, they, they both cried when we got to the house. Wow, that's amazing. So when, you, when you're able to make other people's dream come true, it's a very special moment. And I wow. think travel can uh, make you feel that way. Definitely. That's so special. That's so awesome. You're like making me realize all these, having me 
these all these realizations about what travel means, Jesus. This is very deep, Matt. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> we like to give an extra level of depth on the Maverick Show. You know, we, we go that extra level. You're definitely deep in my soul right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I also want to ask you about traveling with your five-year-old daughter, Charlie. I talk to a lot of people that have kids and they might say something like, I can't travel internationally. My child is, you know, only five years old or something of that nature. Oh, they already wait. Um, Where, whereas you have already taken the Charlie to seven different countries and she's only five years old. So I would love to get your take on traveling the world with small children. And why is that important to you? So when... I got pregnant. Sean and I decided that this kid is coming to our world. I'm not going into hers, meaning she's going to be part of whatever we do. And if it means Sundays in the warehouse or hanging in the baby Bjorn as a three-month-old and me doing a full trunk show for three days in Maui, Hawaii, she's going to have to be part of that. And I think we've done a good job making her part of her journey. And there's nothing wrong you know, hustling a two-year-old or a three-year-old that can barely walk with a suitcase across the airport because this is what life is about. They need to learn young and early to be responsible for their own things, to understand what they need to pack when they have to go somewhere. You know, my daughter was probably three years old when you asked, she started asking me, Mommy, how many sleeps? So I said, four sleeps. So she grabbed four panties, four pants, four T-shirts, four dresses, and a little too many, but yeah, four pairs of shoes for herself. And I bought her her first carry-on when she started walking. I'm like, this kid can do it. <laughs> There's no point in saving them from what it's fun for them. And the younger they are, the easier it is. Because when they can't walk, they just sleep and they hang out with you. And if the mom is nursing like I did for a year, then you don't even have to carry food. You know, if you have to get formula and diapers. I mean, I understand it's extra luggage, but it's still worth it. I think they become different people. They see a more colorful world. They become more intelligent. I think they learn faster. They become more user-friendly in a restaurant because they'll eat whatever, you know, comes to their table. Like my kid never had a kid's menu in her life. She eats whatever I eat because I don't have time and like <laughs> I don't have enough energy to like look through the kid's menu, right? It's like, okay, we have salmon, quinoa, and, you know, kale chips. That, that's what she eats. That's amazing. So, flexible like that and I think seeing the wonder in their eyes it just makes the hustle worth it is it stressful when they run around yeah but I also learned to let her run around the airport because then she gets more tired on the plane it's nothing wrong with that and it keeps me nice and skinny so it's another thing that keeps you fit and young when you let them be part of the hustle that's so awesome. And I love the explanation about Charlie traveling too and having her carry-on luggage already at age five. And she's going to grow up and the whole family travels the world with carry-on luggage only. And so she's eventually going to start asking you, mom, what are all those people doing standing around? And why is there a carousel <laughs> with people's suitcases on it? What is that all about? I can't wait for that question to come. Yeah, I'll take a few more years and she'll understand, like, we're in and out in a second. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. That's awesome. All right. Well, Kate, I want to move us into the final section of the interview here. Are you ready for the lightning round? Oh, my gosh. Well, you made me cry. You made me laugh. What more can you do? <laughs> All right. Let's do it. 
Okay, what is one book that has greatly impacted you over the years that you would most recommend people check out? Hmm. I'm a big reader. I've read a lot of books, so I'm thinking. The Outliers, I really loved. Malcolm Caldwell's book, remember? Yep. Outliers, yep. Outliers, yep. Yeah, because For I sure. could, I could re- uh, relate. Okay, what is one app or productivity tool that you're currently using that you'd recommend people check out? I'm on top of my Shopify app. That's our platform we use for our website. So it's very important for me to see the orders, the sessions, the click-throughs, the regions where the traffic is coming from, whether a newsletter that just went out was efficient. So I'm kind of on top of that. Awesome. If you could have dinner with any person that's currently alive today who you've never met before, who would you choose and why? Richard Branson, hands down. Steve Jobs on my list. God bless him. We have the same birthday. I missed him. <laughs> I saw him speak last year. Pretty amazing experience. That's a good pick. Okay, last two questions, Kate, are travel-related questions. What are your top three favorite travel destinations you've ever been to? Sandbars is very dear to my heart. I think it's an incredible piece of paradise. Landscape, people, food, beaches, everything, or maybe just my history there where I kind of started making my mark. Um, So that's definitely on top. I have very sweet memories from all over Italy because my husband loves it and we go there a lot because of our manufacturing and sourcing um, channels. Budapest, obviously, is where I'm from. Every time I walk along the Danube, I look at the castles and the parliament and it's just so precious that all that history and romance that comes out of those old buildings, some of them still have bullet holes on it from the war. Um, So I strongly suggest for everybody who's scared of Eastern Europe to go and see it because it's amazing. Definitely, definitely. (laughs) And don't stop in Vienna. Take another two-hour train ride, please, to Budapest. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I definitely agree. Those are a great top three. All right. What are your top three bucket list destinations, places you have never been that are the highest on your list right now you'd most love to see? Galapagos Islands. We charted. We're going soon. We had Africa for a while, but we went for Sean's 50th birthday a few years ago. So, okay, places haven't been yet. So, Galapagos for sure. Peru, we're climbing Machu Picchu soon. This summer with my parents and Charlie. <laughs> She's always on the list. <laughs> the poor kid. It's getting dragged everywhere. And then one more. Tokyo, Japan. That awesome. I haven't been yet. That I'd like to see. Awesome. Those are all good picks. I have actually been to all three of those, Kate. So when you guys are planning your trip, feel free to reach out to me for any travel tips you may I will. need. We'll They're all amazing. Travel tips for testing out our anatomy men's pants. How's that? Listen, I will test out any of your clothing. And I, I should tell you that, you know, since I met Sean, when I first got introduced to Sean, which was now, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so, and I was saying, Sean, do you have a men's line? And he said, not yet. And I keep, I would periodically sort of ping him and I'd be like, Sean, I love the brand. I love what you guys are about. I love what you're doing. Do you have a men's line yet? And he says, well, not yet, but we're kind of thinking about it. So as soon as you have any men's clothing at all, I will 100% do whatever you need me to do to test that out for sure. 
So let me ask you questions that we do anatomy questions. How tall okay. are you? How tall am I? Six foot five. Okay, you're tall. How much you weigh? About uh, 200 pounds. So you're tall and slim. So you're like a 34, 36? Yeah, I'm about a 34. All right. Well, I have my first size run coming in soon. So based <laughs> on this information, I think I know what to send you. But I don't know where because you're so much on the road. I will give you, if you're going to send me something to wear, I will absolutely give you an address. But yeah, it would be absolutely amazing. You have no idea how excited and honored I would be to try any of your men's gear when it comes out. Well, there's a super secret project, depending on when it airs, to share with your audience. We are the brand developing the clothing for the new Ritz-Carlton yacht coming out this summer. Wow. And you know, the company is known for ladies and gentlemen and his and hers. So that has our first men's jackets and quilted vests and things like that for the inaugural trip of the ship. I'll uh, send you samples when they come. Oh, my They'll gosh. You have no idea. Carton site as well. And those will have men's pieces. But I made a note. I'm so excited. That's awesome. All right, Kate, I want you to let our listeners know here as we wrap this up, how they can connect with you, how they can find you, learn more about anatomy, follow you on social media if you're there. How do people come into your universe? Anatomy Style on Instagram and anatomy.com is the website. Remember, it's i.e. anatomy.com the website. Uh, my email is kate at anatomy.com. I'm very accessible and open to any suggestion, feedback, investor questions, anything like that. It all makes us a better brand company and person. So feel free to reach out anatomy.com or even personally to my attention. Amazing. We are going to link up everything that we have talked about today in the show notes, including how to follow Anatomy, how to go to the website, how to connect with Kate. All that will be in one place at themaverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode and everything that we talked about will be linked up there. Kate, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This was such a blast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and the patience for listening to our crazy story <laughs> you're awesome all right good night everybody be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books people and resources mentioned in this episode you'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com do you want to learn how to travel the world for a year plus with carry-on luggage only and look good while you're doing it Go to themaverickshow.com slash packing to see a free recorded webinar and learn exactly how Matt does it. He shows you the luggage he uses, the specific items he packs, and the travel brands he likes most. Even if you're just looking to go on shorter trips, but pack more efficiently and eliminate your checked luggage, you won't want to miss this. You can watch the free recorded webinar at themaverickshow.com forward slash packing. Would you like to get Maverick Investor Group's white paper on real estate investing for digital nomads? How to buy U.S. rental properties from anywhere in the world and finance an epic international lifestyle? Just go to themaverickshow.com slash nomad. The report is totally free and available for you now at themaverickshow.com forward slash nomad.